When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Knockin' Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. There was a blessing that came from that. There was a reason that that happened. And also because later when I did kick all my addictions and, and, I, and, it, and I discovered my life purpose, which is to help others to heal through theirs and to heal their traumas and to heal their life and to heal their mind and to heal our um, everything. But that if I wouldn't have gone through it and if I wouldn't have had my mother in such a horrible situation, it wouldn't have led me to my life purpose. Inside the 5150 Studios, it's Knocking Doors Down. Your host, Jason The Chance here. Of course, a background of addiction, childhood trauma. Yeah, but we've uh, put those things in the past, using them to fuel my future, just like, well, all of our guests. Isn't that right, Mr. Mikey? That's correct, Jason. Yeah, every single person you hear on this podcast has had some adversity of some kind in their past, and they use it to fuel a positive present and future. And uh, Dashama, our guest, no different. Dashama, namaste. <laughs> She's a really neat lady. And man, talk about a childhood of trauma. You are going to hear about it, how her mom literally lost her mind due to a mixture of drug and alcohol use in and out of foster care throughout her life, but was able to find some positivity and make some changes. Oddly, normally when you think 21, that's about when you start to get a little bit maybe crazy in your early 20s was when she first started to get focused and on her path, not only to healing herself mentally, emotionally, and physically, but also taking that and helping others through her yoga practices, meditation, uh, healthy eating, and lifestyle. Yeah, definitely some interesting stuff with her stopping at 21. That just goes to show how gnarly of a childhood it was. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. So um, mm -hmm. make sure you guys check this episode out, share with some people. It's really enlightening. And don't forget that we want to thank our sponsor, 5150. Go to their official website, 5150LTM. Get all the gear that if you see in social media posts, you'll see Mikey and myself wearing. And uh, hey, jump on board. They've had some specials lately, not only on some of the clothing, but also, of course, the energy drinks isn't that right mikey five bucks a case get yourself energized for cheap and uh, of course all the proceeds from those energy drinks go to the carlos vieira foundation and if you want more on the carlos vieira foundation and 5150 just click the links in the podcast description all right let's talk to miss dashima we are welcoming a lovely and talented lady here doing some great work dashima how are you doing today Amazing. Thank you. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you for joining Mikey and myself on uh, Knocking Doors Down. Uh, you know, some of your background, uh, you are a yoga health and happiness expert, books, DVDs, training. You've worked with everyone from at uh, Nike conferences. You've appeared on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, Discovery. You've been all over the place, magazines and everything else. You're really kind of an example of uh, what Knocking Doors Down is all about. And I love this. This uh, I saw this reference, the Anthony Robbins of yoga. And that is awesome because I do like Anthony Robbins work. Yeah, me too. He's he's a remarkable person. So wait, are you located? You're in Hawaii, right? Yeah, I'm in Hawaii now. 
So you already have the upper hand of relaxation on us because we're over here in the Central Valley and my allergies have been kicking my ass. Excuse my language. Oh. So good what for you. What is Central you. Valley in California? California. Yes. Yeah. We're right in between. Uh, we're in between Modesto and Fresno. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I was living in California before. I lived in many places, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't know. My soul always brings me back to Hawaii. And so I'm just like going with that. I mean, I, I kind of between here and Bali, but I guess it's just like the deep nature and um, and the there's a serenity and a, and a connection to the higher source of life that I feel when I'm a little bit removed from the big city energy. Mm -hmm. Sure. No, I, I, I can understand that. Mikey and I t have talked about that before, that hustle and bustle. And he's lived in LA. I've lived in San Francisco. And it's it's cool to visit, but but no thank you for my day in and day out lifestyle. Uh, just couldn't do it. We literally go to bed and hear oomphs, of the nightclubs outside of our apartment. So yeah, I can oh, imagine yeah. Hawaii would be a lot more zen. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely zen. Well, we've been doing, uh, I have some friends that we're all really into the ocean. So every week we've been going out and swimming with the wild dolphins and uh, on going out on a boat. And this past weekend, we also, I swam with a shark. And, oh, awesome. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> and uh, manta rays. And there was two kinds of dolphins, bottlenose and spinner dolphins. So that's been like the highlight of being over here is just connecting more with the ocean animals, the ocean itself. And yeah, there's such a clarity of energy that comes from being, you know, just being here because there's, there's not a lot of people here, but that's kind of the good thing. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm all in on those kind of activities. So are you not terrified when you swam with a shark? They're yeah. very ancient. That's the nice thing. Like all animals have a spirit, right? So the animal spirit, first of all, has a message, but it also has an ancient energy. And what I love about it is you can really tap into their ancient energy and, and it teaches you things. Like even if, like if you can move beyond your fear, first of all, the fear is the first teacher. Like, mm -hmm. what are you afraid of? Are you afraid to die? Do you really think you're going to die today? Do you think you're going to die from a shark eating you? Like those fears are usually just based on illusions and they're not real. So it's nice because anytime you can face your fear, I always love to do that. So for example, when I was younger, um, we used to live by a river and there was a lot of alligators in the river. This was in Florida. Oh, and I was... I was scared, right? So, you know, because a little kid had gotten eaten by the alligators. Okay, so it wasn't like, oh, There's I'm my fear. Scared for there nothing. it is, right there. <laughs> yeah, like, they're legit. They do eat people. Yeah. But it's not their primary food source, but they do do this. So, so anyway, when I was like a little kid, like between, I don't know, somewhere between four and eight or something, like a young person, we used to go tubing down the river with our friends. And and I remember sometimes we would not have the money for the tube, whatever. So we didn't have money. And basically, so we would just float down the river without a tube as a group, like with a couple friends. But I just remember how terrified I was because you're floating down this river knowing there are some alligators in this river. And you're looking around the whole time like, is that an alligator? Because like sometimes <laughs> the log will look like an alligator, yeah. you know, when you're like seven or eight, whatever. I just remember being so terrified, but at the same time, facing that fear, like facing that terror and being like, 
I'm fine. And like literally talking myself through it, like you're fine, you're going to be okay. And like, I was like coaching myself down the river as I'm like kind of breathing and just like breathing through my fear. And I can remember it so, so strong, the memory of that experience. And, and I did that in many different ways throughout my life. And I feel like that's been a huge part of you know, my whole life evolution is just literally facing fears instead of just being like, well, I'm, I'm afraid of that. So I'm going to stay away from it. Instead, I like to like move into the fear. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you bring that up with the moving towards fear. Mikey, it reminds me of a past episode. We had a, a, a lovely lady on who's a therapist named Edie Nathan, and, and she got, um, oh, I'm forgetting it, where you, where you can't leave the house. But uh, uh, she lived in New York. Agoraphobic. Thank you. And so she eventually did and went on a a subway. This was in New York, not not New York now, New York, 80s New York. New York. Uh, And and, and someone tried to snatch the chain on her neck, and she said, looked at him, and her quote, don't you fucking dare. And she noticed that in that moment, her anxiety was gone. So it's interesting that you speak moving past fear. Um, is that yeah. something through your practices with yoga that you started to develop more or is it just kind of through life experience? Well, I mean, this was at seven years old, so I can't attribute it to my yoga practice back then. My mother and father were spiritual, so I did have a spiritual beginning to my life. Mm. We lived in a very rural area. We lived by a river. We would go to the river every day. And I feel like a lot of the teaching, a lot of the uh, inner work that I've done has been from learning from life, right? Learning from life, but specifically from nature. And so like to be like, for example, as a child sitting by a river and learning about the energy of flow from the river. Like I have a new book coming out called The Flow State. I feel like that river, when I when I grew up near that river, it taught me so much about flow, like to just observe like, wow, this river is always flowing. You know what I mean? And so like when we later in life, I started to realize and then I used to float down the river and like how my relationship to my fear and the feelings that I had, but then still going with the river. And then at the end of that floating journey, realizing I made it and I made it to my destination and I was fine. And it was only me obstructing my own experience with my fear because if I wouldn't have had that the whole time, it probably would have been a lot more enjoyable. You know? <laughs> and so instead, I'm sitting here terrified the whole damn time, like, oh, my God, this river. And instead, and I think a lot of people um, do that with life, right? So we do that with life where we're like the whole time. And this is a perfect timing to even talk about this because like life is so uncertain right now. The way that the world is with the lockdown planet pandemic thing and, and the whole thing. I feel is is bringing us to a place where we can really get clear on our presence and how we're showing up in every moment and our mental health. Because right now, everything got stripped away. You can't hardly travel. Like you can't even be around people. It's just like sit with yourself. And like we've been all put onto this kind of like home, you know, quarantine to look at ourselves and and then what happened and then what arises within our mind. Just like me when I was a little kid floating down the river, what arose within me instead of joy and like, this is so fun. Instead, I'm like, oh my God, the whole freaking time, freezing of fear. (laughs) And we can look at humans like right now and how they're responding to life is the same thing. It's not a river and there's not an alligator, but instead it's life and there's a virus that could potentially possibly do something, you know? And so it's the same energy around fear that people are getting literally like 
terrified to go around other people now. Yeah. And I had a, a realization the other day about the the mental health neurosis that this pandemic is causing because you'll notice it when you walk down the street specifically like in a well I was in Hawaii and I noticed it like I was walking down the street and there was a girl coming my way on the same side of the sidewalk and we both kind of you know like distanced ourselves and like we're literally in the middle of Hawaii like walking on a very like nobody was around like it was just me and her and we were just walking and it was like naturally our our mind was like let's not get too close yeah and so we like distanced ourselves and we were literally the only people around for miles on this rural spot by the by the ocean oh i did and that I shit before that. the pandemic <laughs> oh, well you know i mean ultimately here it is like that our mind is creating that. Like, what is yeah. the fear, right? Sure. I have no real fear of her. I don't think she's going to give me any any problem, disease. Mm -hmm. And and I don't have fear. She looks safe. She's a happy girl. So it was like just like this whole mental health. Um, a lot of mental health issues are arising from this pandemic. I've I've known and also heard through statistics. You know, a lot of people, for example, um, suicide rates are increased. Domestic mm -hmm. violence are increased. Like all these like terrible wow. things. And a lot of the reason for that is because people are literally like all their worst fears are arising. And so the story of me in the river and my fear of the alligator is very relevant to this because I feel that that's really happening right now on a global level with all of humanity. Like not everybody, but I'd say like 99%, mm -hmm. you know, where people are literally developing neurosis, developing fears that aren't even real or that aren't necessary, you know? And because I think in the beginning of time when we were in the cave, cavemen days and stuff we had these fear um and the fight or flight response and it was to save our life because if a saber-toothed tiger would come we would need to be a little bit you know on edge so we would have those fight or flight responses within us but now it's not so it's it's not so dangerous this world but we can create that same construct in our consciousness that feels that it is that we feel like the girl at the grocery store is trying to kill us sure. and and i feel like right now this is something massively that needs to be addressed because it just gets worse and worse unless you address it. and that's what i was talking about earlier facing the fear and really letting it dissolve and realizing that it's not even real versus like letting yourself dwell into it and letting it be a part of who you become yeah. Well, and, it, and we're definitely seeing the statistics, too, of course, with uh, addiction related stuff, too. I know you brought up the, you know, some of the other stuff, but a lot of lot of people returning to it. I mean, uh, you know, even um, he didn't really explain why or what it was. But, you know, someone like Dax Shepard that we had kind of looked at as a model that he had recently relapsed. And, you know, it's just oh, yeah. it, it's so unfortunate this this time. And, and it really is. It's a lot of that stuff, a lot of the downtime, a lot of with yourself and a lot of being in your head and it is a, definitely a challenging time and, and i want to just talk about that what you just said about addiction because i also like first of all my mom had lost her mind i didn't tell you this story but when i was six my mother lost her mind she got schizophrenia from addiction so it was like oh a gosh. combination she did cocaine mixed with alcohol and peyote or something all at once oh, geez, it was like hey, let's have a night a fun night on the town no it was just at the house but uh, it was like one of those nights and you know she was always doing cocaine and she was always doing uh peyote and, and, and alcohol but like this was a bad idea to just mix up right so mm -hmm. this was like 
one thing that I um, I remember that night. That's why when I was I was like six years old, and I and it was like one of those things where you just never forget that. And what happened was she lost her mind, and she never got it back. Oh, so shit. she literally the next day. She thought my dad was an imposter. She thought the government had abducted her husband and this new person was not him. And she kicked him out. And she, now all of a sudden the government. So it was like, it's a form of schizophrenia called paranoid schizophrenia where they literally think everybody's out to get them and, the, and everybody is evil. And um, I'm seeing this happening right now as well with all the people who, who are feeling like, um, you know, that the world is, I mean, there's a lot of darkness in the world for sure, but I'm saying like that, that like there's this evil forces and everything. So it's, it feels like the same behavioral consciousness that my mom had, which is like this deep fear of everything. Basically that's what it became was paranoid schizophrenia is basically a deep fear of everything based on no reality and a deep disconnection from your own soul and in your own mind so that's why they say you lose your mind because like she literally had no connection to like her mind after that so this was when i was six and she changed completely after that and then it was a whole story we ended up living in foster homes and um and all sorts of stuff but later and so she she's continued to destruct herself for 20 years. She lived 20 more years after that. And she went, decided to become homeless, even though she had a home. And she um, decided to roam the planet on her feet, basically walking around and destroying herself and um, had a lot of trauma from, from many things. But I looked at the root of this, like, where did it come from? Because I, I was, I was now, cause that's been a lot of the work that I do is like helping people heal through trauma and um, also with mental health, with meditation and happiness. So I try to stay on the other side, but there's this place in the middle where you have to really be real with people and say like, what is, like what you just said, the guy that had the relapse, what is the root of this? What are you trying to escape from? You know, what's so bad about this world right now that you don't want to be here? And for her, she had a lot of unresolved trauma. Like she was adopted. Her mom had her when she was 14. So she didn't have, you know, she had like this whole energy of like abandonment and, and all these stories, right. She had like layers and layers of ancestral um, trauma. And then later it developed into what later became her just totally losing her mind. But what happened was I, I started to notice my own behavior. So this was like after, after that. And I was like, starting at 13 I was drinking right I started drinking really early and uh every like a lot like I would sneak out of my house that I was living and go get drunk multiple times per week as a young person 13 12 all the way till 21 (laughs) I quit drinking at 21 but anyway I was really bad I got suspended from school twice and arrested for drinking at school in high school one good thing that came out of it to tell you the truth was I was suspended right so and I was always like a really good uh, student I always got all A's so because I had this like really great mind but I just had all these addictions so it was like a problem so the point was I, uh, I was sitting at home suspended which most people 
I mean, when you're 14, you're like, it's not such a bad thing. You're sitting at home and you get to still do your work and whatever. You just don't have to go to school. So I was sitting at home and I, I watched this show and it was like a show that I never would have got to see if I was at school because it was during the day. And it was this show of this girl it's called Tatiana's Fitness on the Beach. And I remember watching this show while I was suspended from being drunk at school. And I was thinking, that, that girl has the job I want. I was like, one day... I would love to have that. I just work out on the beach and I, and that's her whole job and she has a show. And so I, I thought, wow, and that planted a seed in my consciousness. And it's funny because later, I mean, 10 years later, whatever. Yeah, at 24 is when I started being a yoga teacher and I built my whole career around making videos of doing yoga on the beach, basically. So I kind of think that that was, that's why I was saying there's always a, a silver lining. There's always a blessing and there's always a reason for everything. So like, even though you could look at that and be like, yeah, I was suspended. I was a problem. I ended up getting kicked out of my house. I had all these issues, but there was a blessing that came from that. There was a reason that that happened. And also because later when I did kick all my addictions and, and, I, and, the, and I discovered my life purpose, which is to help others to heal through theirs and to heal their traumas and to heal their life and to heal their mind and to heal our um, everything. But that if I wouldn't have gone through it and if I wouldn't have had my mother in such a horrible situation, it wouldn't have led me to my life purpose. Yeah. And that's what it did. And I feel that that's, you know, I really believe this in my heart is that our greatest challenges are like always a setup for our, our life purpose. Right. So, because what we learn to overcome, we can help others. We can be like that torchbearer helping others, leading them through their darkness into the light. And, and it only happens if you are able to get into the light. So luckily for me, I was, and I, and I found that path and I, and I got into the light and it's been a great journey, but that early part where, and I've had a lot of hard times, but I mean, the early part was the dark, it was the dark, the dark age, <laughs> right? Where I was like getting, you know, I got raped. I had the worst situations you could ever imagine. I got hit by a car. I almost died multiple times um, from car accidents. So it was like the horrible dark ages of my life was like before I was 21. And then I like went into the golden era for a while. <laughs> so you go through these stages, but but it did lead me to my life purpose. And if I wouldn't have gone through that dark period of the alcoholism, my own and my mother's of living in foster homes and having to be separated from my family and, and all of the trauma that I experienced, I wouldn't have become who I am today because I learned how to heal myself. And I became so compassionate towards humanity because of what happened with my mother um, that I dedicated my life to to helping others. So that's the gift of it. You know, I like to look at the blessing of it. Yeah, we do have to look at the silver linings. And it's uh, and you, you said it so best because we really talk a lot about your great adversities becoming your greatest advantages. You're mentioning separated from family. So did you have siblings? Foster care, obviously, then your dad was out of the picture, too, at that point. Did you have siblings as well? Yeah, I have three sisters. So there's four girls and my dad also was addicted to crack at the time. So that's why like we didn't, it oh, was weird. Shit. Like they both lost it at the same time. And, oh, and it was Lord. like, okay, well, nothing good going with them. So let's, let's put these kids somewhere maybe. So they, we, we got split up. There was four of us. So they would generally put us um, two and two. Mm -hmm. So I did stay with one sister predominantly throughout that period of time until I graduated high school. But I lived in like many homes. It was such a tumultuous time because I live in like lots of different homes. Um, I don't know why, but it, it was just like, it was an interesting thing. Like we would live somewhere for a few months and then 
that home it was like a temporary home and then they would put us somewhere else and it was yeah. always like a new place and pre predominantly most of them weren't the loving home that you would dream of like you know a lot of people do this fostering um to make an extra 500 bucks a month like mm -hmm. you know like right. it's a weird so right. it's like people living in trailer homes. I mean, there were a few that were more with it, but generally they were just kind of doing this for the extra $500 a month. So it was like right. a little bit of a temporary scenario. And then after I was 12, this is a really crazy story. I'll tell you the crazy story because my mom and dad actually, even though they were addicted to drugs and everything, they kept fighting the court to get us back. So they would go to the court and they would be like, we deserve to be... Um, cause they were declared unfit parents. That's what sure. they call it in the court system. So then they would go and they would try to declare, you know, prove that they're fit. So they was, you know, my dad would finally get a job or something and then he would, you know, so they would say, okay, you can, you can have them back. So sometimes we would go back to our parents for a short time and then they would inevitably do something really messed up again and we would get taken back. So like, for example, one time we went back with my mom and then she came to school drunk and yelling at the principal one day. Um, which she was kind of justified in that because my, my other sister, a girl in the school broke her nose in the bathroom and my mom got pissed and she came, but she was drunk. That was the problem. She was drunk and on drugs and she came yelling at the principal because she was so mad that her daughter got her nose broken. Mm -hmm. And so they arrested her and we got put back in foster care again. So it was like this back forth, back forth, really, really crazy thing. So finally, in the end, we ended up um, getting split up, but two of us went to live with my mom's aunt in South Dakota, and this was when I was 12. And and um, and then two got put somewhere else, so we were all split up again. But from age 12 to 18, I did live in one home, and it was with my mom's adopted sister, and, and it was kind of, you know, it was, it was one of the better, even though I had a hard time because I I had all this trauma. So I was like drinking and I was getting arrested and stuff. Yeah. But I, I did have like a stable home for about six years. And and that was a really important timing for me, even though I was like a rebel and I was going to get trouble. But I was also doing really well in school. I got into sports. And I feel like getting into athletics was one of the biggest gifts of my path because I had some really good coaches early on that helped me. And one of my best coaches he was my running coach and I was, I was on the cross country team and I literally got really disciplined with my running. I would run every day at 6am before school, literally for like four years. I did, even in the summer, like I got so disciplined with my running and, but I remember the coach, he told me one time, or he told us all, he was teaching us the power of our mind. And he said, you know, Michael Jordan, he liked to use Michael Jordan as an example. And I always liked Michael Jordan because he back then, you know, he was the who the hell didn't? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Michael Jordan killed of us. Like, whatever. No one's going to beat him ever. Agreed. But the point was, Michael Jordan, you know, like he was a great example because they would say, Michael Jordan, um, you he would practice more free throws and three point shots in his mind, visualizing than he ever did on the court. And that's why he became the best in the world. Not as much, I mean, he had amazing talent um, on the court, but like it was really his mind that made him world-class. And it, it was his mind that made him the best in the world. And I, and I got that message so early. I think I was 14 or 15 was when he shared that with me. And this, this, this seed planted into my consciousness so early, the power 
of our mind and especially visualization. I've always been very creative. I have a lot of, you know, energy here and I could see and I'll visualize things very clearly. So to me, it was like a natural idea to like, let me visualize, you know, like what, what I'm going to do. And so early on that one piece of like, I guess you could say advice or something at the early age of my, um, from my coach changed my life forever. So even before I was a meditating yogi, I was learning this power of the mind. Um, and that was around age 14, 15. And then I feel like that one piece set the tone for the rest of my life, you know? And then even though I went through the, I had to go through my traumas, I had to go through lots of bad stuff, but at once I finally got it, that I'm the master here, I'm going to create my life and I'm going to just turn this around. And then, so after, when I, when I got over drinking and I stopped doing that, I, I really started to create my life and be the creator and that that changed everything well and that's such an important thing to, to get across uh, the, what you just said uh, becoming your own creator was there a moment uh, some sense because uh, we're hearing the antithesis antithesis of of all the things that kind of led you towards your path um was there an occurrence at 21 that it just said uh, that you were just like i'm done with this shit this 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 clear, clearly messed my parents up uh, you know, the result of these things, I'm done with this trauma. I'm done with the, you know, these coping mechanisms and methods of, you know, numbing myself. Um, was there some kind of just, uh, I like the aha moment. That's just like, fuck it. I'm done. Just, life's got to change. Yeah. You know, I'm actually, I'm kind of funny like that. I am a cold Turkey person. So I'm like, if I'm quitting, I'm cold Turkey. So what happened for me was I, you know, I had gotten into, I was like every other college student, you know, I was getting drunk and going to clubs and being intimate with guys I shouldn't in the VIP lounge or whatever and just stupid shit that I was like not respecting my energy the way that I could. And I and at the time it was always due to alcohol. So it was like when you're under alcohol, you don't think and you don't value your energy and you, you just do stuff and then later you regret it and you're like, what did I do? And and I was, you know, experiencing that. And um different experiences of that. Like I went to Europe when I was, um, right before I turned 21 and I went to Pamplona to the running of the oh, bulls. Yeah. This is like the whole thing. And literally like a hundred thousand young guys, like there's no girls there. There's like 10 girls and like a hundred thousand <laughs> guys. And then me and I'm all like, so of course I'm partying it up, <laughs> drinking it up, sleeping with guys. And I was just a, you know, I was just like a mess, I guess you could say. I mean, a reckless, adventurous sort of girl. But anyway, I was doing that and um, I was having fun, I guess. But when I would look back on it, I was like, that's not who I am. And I started to like really see like, that's not who I want to show up as. And then I ended up meeting this guy right after I got back from Europe. I met this young guy. He was, he was around my age. And he also, he had just gotten arrested for drinking. He was like <laughs> in college. And we went to the same college and, and he basically, we both were like, we, we started dating and we fell in love and we both were like, let's quit drinking. Like we just were like, let's do this together. And we just did it together. It was like the biggest gift. Um, he was one of the biggest gifts in my life. Like we fell in love. Like we, we just cleaned up our life. Like we, we, did, we bought a house together. Like we had a beautiful um, like relationship and, and it makes me emotional to think about it because um, it didn't last, but it was important for that transition. You know, sure. like it was like, that brought me from that old self, which was the girl that was getting in trouble and 
And then it put me into a clean path. And then we got into the church and stuff. And that helped because, you know, they were really, you know, more positive and stuff. But then we got, then I got really depressed. What, what happened was I got really depressed because I was working too much. I had a full-time job and I had a part-time business. So I was working like 12 hours a day, trying to get ahead to live the American dream and blah, 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 age 21, 22. And, uh, and basically through the church, they were telling us that it's sinning to have sex before marriage. So here I was living with my boyfriend and we, and we felt all of a sudden this horrible guilt, Mm -hmm. like we're sinning. We should not be having sex age 22. So we decided Okay, let's because we were always cold turkey, right? So we decided, okay, let's become celibate. And we're like (laughs) living together. We'd already been having sex for a year. And then we were like, now we're not going to. So we went from this good connection to like celibate. And it was just a bad idea because when you're like in the bed with your love and then you're not going to be intimate, it's just a bad thing. So what happened was it created like we did that for a year and I got really depressed. Because then all of a sudden, like all the joy of life is gone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that it felt because I was also working so much. So I was like, what's the purpose of life? So I got really depressed and, uh, and, and I went through about a year of depression. And in that experience, it was actually another one of those blessings because it led me to this deep spiritual awakening because I realized I, I had to ask myself, Cause I couldn't find happiness in anything. Like I couldn't be happy and I had everything. I had this beautiful home. I had this beautiful boyfriend that we weren't sleeping together, but we had everything. I had a car, I had a beautiful, we were on a golf course, whatever, Boca Raton, Florida, this kind of illusion of a dream. Yeah. And, and basically, and I had to ask myself cause I, w- I couldn't find happiness anywhere. And I was like, what would bring happiness to me if even if, I have nothing like what would I do that could bring me some happiness and I asked this question I went deeper inside and I asked myself and the answer was you need to be of service to others help them and then also be outside and do and be doing some form of movement you know move your body more right so I was like okay I'm gonna try and so I I thought okay I'm gonna become a fitness trainer so I I I decided I'm gonna quit this job I'm gonna leave the boyfriend. I'm going to leave this house. I'm going to just give up everything. And I'm going to figure out how to find happiness again. And I, and that's what I did. And I gave up everything. And, um, and I walked away from the life that, that like, could have been the perfect dream life that most people like really want. And I just left it all. And I went and I first became a, a, a fitness trainer, but then I, I got this message because I still wasn't experiencing inner peace. So I was, I, I one day I just Googled inner peace and random significant moment where nobody Googles inner peace, but I just did this. And and this was in 2003 or something. Right. And I Google inner peace and, and I got, and this yoga center came out. I said, yoga and inner peace. So I said, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to yoga and inner peace. Cause I had already been doing yoga for many years. I always liked it. You know, I thought of it as a good thing, but I never thought of it as something I could do as a career or anything. I just thought, Oh, yoga is cool. And, um, and I went to this yoga teacher training because they were offering a program. It was 10 weeks and I committed to it. It was 10 weeks. I had to get up at 4.45 every day and drive for an hour to this little strip mall 
an hour away and it was like this crappy strip mall and um with cockroaches and everything it was like not oh, a nice <laughs> and, I, and i was like okay i'm gonna do it whatever i'm just committing and i went to this thing and and every day and and i was never in a meditation before that because i always had too much energy so it was hard for me to sit still so i was like okay i'm gonna do it so they made us sit in the morning for you know 30 minutes to an hour in the dark with the with cockroach coming up to me <laughs> <laughs> hi ma'am how you doing me mr roach yeah i was like why is he always coming on to me and it was, <laughs> cockroach on. It was like one of those big old metal bugs but anyway so i was getting a lot of this testing you know but it was interesting so part of the yoga training was we had to do mantras we had to chant these mantras and also meditation yoga mantras and we had to be a vegetarian and also do karma yoga, which is selfless service. So part of the karma yoga was we had to clean the bathroom at the yoga center for free every week. And what? I, uh, I was like, you know, in the beginning, I'm thinking like, okay. That's like so, some Mr. Miyagi shit. Danielson waxed uh, all the cars. It was exactly. <laughs> well, how like does the vegetarian that? come in? What does that matter? Because the energy of of the meat um, animals. Because animals suffer when you kill them. And so when you're killing them, energetically, you're bringing that suffering into your vibration. So basically, as you eliminate that vibration from your consumption, it just gives you more of a peaceful energy. I'll and, be damned. And it, it worked for me. Actually, I, so during this period, right, I, I did this. And all of a sudden, literally, I'm going to tell you the best story that <laughs> happened in my life. Basically, all of a sudden, I'm sitting here cleaning the toilet, singing, giant. Ganesha, Ganesha. I'm like in joyful energy that I hadn't felt ever. I mean, except when I was drunk. Like it was very rare yeah. to feel this way unless I was on marijuana or, or alcohol or some kind of shrooms or something. I It was very rare to just be in this like joyous, Ganesha cleaning toilets for free. And I had found my happiness and I was like, okay, like I don't know what happened, but like I don't think I lost my mind. I think I found something here. And sure. I, and I yeah, realized- yeah, I know. It was so profound. And then what happened was, because every day in the morning, we, um, they always played the same song. And I love this song. And if you want, I'll, I'll share it with you guys, uh, the link. Of, but it's called the Devi Mantra, 108 Sounds of the Divine Mother. And it's this beautiful song. It's so peaceful. And every day we would listen to this in the morning um, during the yoga practice. And it just goes so deep into your consciousness, especially when you aren't getting a lot of sleep. You know, when you're like more not getting a lot of sleep, like you're more in that receptive state. So you're like, I was in a theta all the time because of this like sleep, sleep deprivation, but also because of being doing yoga, meditation, all this stuff, the mantras. And so one day I went to the beach and this was about halfway through or three quarters way through of the of the program of the training. And I just remember I was walking on the beach. It was a, a very overcast day. It was like the sky was white. The ocean was white. The sand was white. It was like everything was like a whiteout. I felt like I was walking through what could be perceived as heaven because it was just clouds. Right. It was just like I'm walking in a cloud and I see the ocean over there. And um, I literally the only thing that I could hear was just this resounding. ohm. it was like, oh, and it was like for hours. Mm -hmm. for hours it was like maybe for hours and and it was the first time in my whole life that i literally felt what people talk about when they talk about inner peace right it was like this like dissolving of all 
cares, of all stress, of all thoughts. It was literally like emergence with the oneness of existence. And it lasted a really long time. And I was just like, I didn't know how I could go back to life after that. Because I was just like, you know, hearing anyone talk even was a little bit obtrusive. You know, I was just like, oh, it's like too much. You know, <laughs> I was hanging with my sister the next day and she's like, bah, 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 bah. you know, and I was just like, you know, it felt like abrasive. But yeah. it took me a little while to reintegrate to, you know, humans again and stuff and like to be, you know, back to my high energy, but like to try to find that balance where I can have that inner peaceful state and still have the high energy. So it was a process, but that was the most profound thing. And like, so after that experience of my first yoga teacher training, I never thought that I would become a yoga and meditation teacher. It wasn't something, cause I didn't think that you could make a career out of that. I didn't think you could make money with it because nobody was like sure. back then, 15 years ago, there was no like millionaire yogis. Like nobody's thinking that way. They were just right. like teaching for at the local park or YMCA or the gym mm -hmm. and make it like $30 a class. So it was like, okay, that's just like something that people do as a hobby. But then I actually um, just wanted to share this. It wasn't even an intention of making a business. I just started sharing it with everybody that I would meet um, because it's so profoundly beautiful. And, and also when I teach yoga or meditation or any of these beautiful practices, the mantras or any of it, it puts me back into that state all the time, into this energy, what I now call the flow state. And so I'm writing a book now called The Flow State. But, um, but it's basically the most profound gift that you can ever give either to yourself or to anyone is to, to give them the gift of being able to access this feeling, this state. And my, my vision for the world is that everyone could access this and that we could actually sustain that state because in that state, there would be no wars. There would be no, you know, suffering, right? Because it's just so beautiful. Like there, it's just a beautiful state. So I work with the people at the oneness temple in India and many different enlightened masters now. And, nice. and it's really interesting. Yeah, I'm excited because that's, you know, they have this huge temple, for example, in India. And, and um, I'm a speaker at the Flow Summit that's going to be coming out later this month um, through Hay House. And like Sadhguru is a part of that, Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle, um, Abraham Hicks. I don't know if you know all these people, but all these enlightened teachers and masters, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Um, and basically, I've, I've kind of deduced it down to this one thing which is basically it's all about your state right so whether you're you know talking about law of attraction or what you're creating with your life or like right. addictions it's all about your state so when you're getting for example in the conversation of addictions the reason people reach for alcohol or drugs is to change their state like they want to be in this state that i'm talking about and the only way they know how to access that is with a substance whether it's alcohol drugs sex some kind of addiction we just we're always looking outside of ourselves to try to get to this place. But the truth is, it's in us. So you can't get there outside and you can't bring something in that's a substance because it will never last. And yeah. the problem with substances, they also have a lot of negative side effects. So, you know, you have addiction and you have like ruining your life and losing everything. Like there's a lot of bad things. And I learned that from my mother. But I, I also see that this it's really that's the number one thing that everybody is looking for is to be in this this state. You know, maybe they don't know it yet, but that's really what it's about. Like whatever you're striving, if you want more money, if you want more fame, if you want more, whatever you're trying to get, it's always just so you can feel better. It's so you can be in a better state. Yeah. But the truth is, if you just get in a better state, you don't care about those other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Garby> there. 
<laughs> oh, I know. I said, you know, I I pounded a lot, a lot more. Uh, some of those brewing companies probably thank me for some really good years of trying to be in that state. You know, as a miserable individual, uh, uh, Dashma. One of the things that 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 you talked about that really fascinates me that I've been uh, more interested in in. Uh, exploring is, um, you know, we talked about mantras and meditation. Um, what are some of the positive things that not only you've seen for yourself, but those that you've helped? And and it, uh, what, when you talk about it, it reminds me of uh, how Kobe Bryant put it, the selfishly unselfish, um, you know, because I do a lot of reading on sports figures, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and how they were successful. But uh, can you talk about mantra and meditation and the importance of that? And really, there's maybe some misconceptions that people have, too. Because I, I think Absolutely. they just think it's, you know, you sit there like a monk and go, wah, 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 and, and that's not the case. Yeah, there's many ways. Um, okay, so I'll give you an example, just so you can kind of understand. Like, the most successful people in the world do mantras or meditation or both. Like, Jay Shetty, he just released his new book, Think Like that's a great. Monk. And I was reading it, and I love this book. And, and he talked about there's three kinds of meditation. There's mantra meditation, visualization meditation, and breathwork meditation. And I liked how he simplified it. He broke it down in the simple three categories. And those are what I've been talking about as well. Like, So mantras are one form of meditation, and then the visualization is another, and then um, the breathwork is another. So breath is more to clear your energy from your body. And the mantra is more to expand the energy of your heart and your, and your energy of the feeling energy. And then the, the visualization is more your mind, right? So all three of them are powerful and they help you on every level. But if you wanted to you know, work on these different levels, that's when you would probably, it's like prescriptive, right? Like sure. you want to kind of like use it as prescription almost. But like you said, like a lot of people visualize this boring thing of a monk in a, in a room with a mala beads. And I think it is good to use mala beads, but it's not necessary. And the thing that really helps people to understand the power of mantra is if you can think of your favorite song, like your favorite song that you like to sing out loud when it comes on the radio. You have a song like that Cashmere. where you're like, this song comes on and you're jamming. Cashmere, right? Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah, I love Led Zeppelin. So basically, you get into that vibe, right? And it gets you into this amazing state, right? And it puts you into a state, this, this singing, right? This like energy of singing. Well, mantras are similar to that, especially when you do them out loud. But the difference is, that it's words that don't have a linear translation in our consciousness usually. Sure. So it's another language, for example. So that's really good for the mind because the mind doesn't try to grab onto a meaning. And instead, it just lets you go into the state. And what we want to do is get out of the mind and get into the state. And a lot of times it's the mind and the thinking and the addiction to the thinking and the monkey mind that keeps us out of the state, right? So if you can get outside of the mind and that habitual thinking and just get into the joy of the state, that's the goal, right? So that's why mantras, one of the reasons why I love mantras is because it helps with that. Like all of a sudden you're just in the joyous rapture of this singing and you don't even know what you're singing or you could find out there are real meanings, but it's, it's always words that represent just like the divine. So you're singing the name of the divine. So you're like, basically it's a little bit like singing gospel or whatever any sure. kind of thing like that sure. because really singing um the songs are connecting you to this higher divine 
energy that's always available, right? That's always present. And what happens is now you can do mantras out loud, which I highly recommend, or you can do them silently in your mind. Both are good. The silent one is nice if you if you're like in an area where you can't get all like loud with it, um, because you know it still gives your mind something to focus on, right? Because if you're in just meditating, all of a sudden your mind gets like caught up in thinking, and then all of a sudden you're actually not meditating because if you're just in thinking, which is like normal life, you're not meditating, right? So meditation is to get outside of that thinking, and then put you into a state right? Mm -hmm. To a different state, a higher state, a vibration, an energy, so that you can feel and access a new energy and bring that into your vibration. And then with time, carry that vibration with you. It becomes a part of who you are, right? You guys into biohacking at all? Do you know what that is? Mm, I don't know. No, no, no. Okay. Well, there's a whole science. There's a whole science. It's called biohacking. But basically, it's the idea that you can do things that will change your biochemistry your brain you know dr joe Dispenza talks about this a lot but like a lot of people are doing this and it's a way that you could they call it biohacking because you can reverse the aging process you can you know rewire neural synapses okay. in the brain okay. i'll give you an example one of one of my friends um dr satbir khalsa he's been doing 20 years of research at harvard medical and doing about specifically about mantras meditation and yoga and kundalini breath and this whole everything that i teach basically and but he has 20 years of research with medical backing so they have like mri brain scans that show how consistent mantra meditation and kundalini kriya yoga practices help to not only rewire the neural synapses of the brain so like usually if you're having an issue it's because there's a, sometimes they call it, there's a screw loose, but the screw loose, what it means is that something's not connecting in the brain. And that's why you're having this, this issue can be a health issue. It can be a mental health issue, addiction, all these things. It's generally, there's something not connecting. So basically as you do these meditation practices with the mantras, you rewire the neural synapses and and, and it totally changes your neuroplasticity. So you you can kind of like heal and transform your entire brain. And then in addition to that, what they show in the MRI brain scans is that certain lobes of the brain, which would have been considered gray matter, gray matter is dormant areas of the brain. And science shows that we have over 90% of our brain is just gray matter. Like we're not using it. That's why they always say we're only using a small fraction of our potential is because we literally have only access to such a small amount of our capacity in our specifically in our brain capacity. And then um, what happens with the continuous meditation and breath work is that it starts to awaken gray matter and bring life into it and bring awareness into it. And then it can give you a whole new capacity. All of a sudden, that's why we all have capacity to become geniuses because we all have so many dormant areas of the brain that are not being utilized. And you can awaken those with practices, with, with, you know, we have that science now, we have that ability. So that's one of the powerful, like, if you're ever wondering, like, why, why mantras, why meditation? It's literally brain enhancing, you know, and 
life enhancing. And, and then what we're talking about is enhancing your state, but then over time, making that your permanent new state instead of like, oh, for five minutes, I felt great. That's why addiction never works because it's only temporary. Sure. And especially those ones like um, specifically like cocaine and those ones because that was it's me. such a very short one. You know, it gives you like a two minute high and then you need more because it's never lasting. Yeah. And that's the main problem with drugs is that they're never going to last. And then they give you all the negative side effects. And then you kind of it puts you in a spiral down. And the meditation and everything that I teach, it puts you in a spiral up because yeah. you get access to that state that you're seeking but then you can actually prolong that and, and then it can become lasting and then it can become your all day energy if you really you know, strive towards that. And that's what the power of it is, is that instead of reaching for something, it is still, you're, you could be reaching for like a mantra, like maybe you're in a chaotic, stressful mood and you're like, I need to bring myself into a peaceful state. And so you could say like, I'm reaching for a mantra, but in the, in the end, there's no negative side effects. So that's the, be right. the beautiful thing. And then it, it only improves your, your whole life over time. Yeah, I, one of the other things is you mentioned Jay Shetty that I found interesting in his book. I'm kind of tearing back through it again. I'm an audio book guy. Um, and I look forward, hopefully, to reading some of your stuff. But where he spoke about, I forget, the monk that had meditated so you know so much in his life, and they found that his brain was actually 20 years younger than most other people his age. So exactly. they're showing that stuff even with dementia and other areas that it, it could be a preventative, obviously along with other health practices, be it diet, exercise, et cetera. Yeah, it because and this is exactly the reason why I just mentioned it's because your brain literally um, can become more connected. And that's what makes you younger. What makes you older is you start losing brain cells and things start becoming less connected and you start dying. Right. But like if you are doing practices with meditation and mantras and all these things that are literally rewiring, you could literally have a better brain at 90 than you did at 40 or whatever, just because you've been, you know, healing that. Yeah. So that's the power of it. And I have this book that I'm going to be releasing next year. It's called The Flow State. And that's there's a there's another piece to it that I want to mention because sure. um, there's the part of all of this, which is your, your meditation and your mantras and like your all this kind of thing. But then there's this other part that I, I really feel is an integral aspect of life, which is aligning with the universe, right? So there's this part of us that I think why, why we reach for addictions and why we suffer in, in any capacity, any suffering is always an indication that we are feeling separate from the wholeness that we are, from the universe, right? From our soul. We're feeling separate from that and we feel that disconnect or that discord. And that's why we reach for something because we're trying to fill a hole, right? So this is like for specifically for people that reach for addictions. I find this to be the, the most relevant case. And I think that's why something like the, um, the, AA works in a way because it kind of fills that hole, right? Like that sure. hole, which is like there's something missing and they were trying to fill it with drugs and alcohol and that took them down a bad path. So then now they're going to replace that with, you know, the 12 step process or whatever. Right. So sure. you're going to try to fill that hole, but it's always still trying to fill a hole. Okay. So anytime, no matter what, if you want, to, I feel if we want to get to what I would consider wholeness, right? Wholeness is, is where we really feel complete. Like we are 
everything. Like we don't need anything outside of us. So we're not grasping for more. We, we don't need to eat more food. We don't need more drugs, alcohol. We don't need more sex, money. We don't need more toys, homes. We don't need those more things, right? It's because we are full inside. So when we think we need all this outside, it's because there's something in us that's missing. It's like a hole, some kind of gap inside that feels incomplete. So we try to reach for things. And this is a big part of why people reach for um, addiction. But I feel that as we regain our wholeness by the meditations and everything that we've been talking about, but also through a, a conscious decision to be in alignment with the universe. And so in my in my book that I'm, I'm going to be releasing, it's called The Flow State. There are 22 universal laws that I feel govern our life. Mm -hmm. And if we can connect to these universal laws, we can pretty much heal anything and live our best life, like live in the flow state, right? So the flow state is the opposite of addiction and all these problems, right? Flow state is where we're happy, healthy, enjoying life, like things are flowing, life is going well, like all the good stuff. And so when we're out of flow, that's when we have all the problems, right? So we want to get into flow. And in order to be in flow, there, I feel there are certain universal laws that we have to abide by. So we know some of these, like the universal law of attraction. This is one that got really popular. Right. And now it's kind of like, you know, became more commonly known about the law of attraction. So that's one of those universal laws that you can't really dispute it. And even if you don't believe in it, it's still governing your life. Right. Sure. And then you have all sorts of other. I remember I watched an interview with um, Oprah and she had mentioned this right after the movie The Secret came out. She was like, I love this because I really believe in the law of attraction. But one of the things that was missing from the movie The Secret was that there's actually a lot of universal laws, not just this one. Sure. And that we should definitely talk about those other ones. So my book called The Flow State, it talks about all the uh, like 22 other universal laws. So we have like the law of gratitude. This is a universal law. The more you're grateful, the more you have things to to be grateful for. It's an amazing paradigm shifting reality that everybody that I've ever met that's successful, happy and healthy knows this. Yeah. And so it's a universal law, right? And same thing with like the universal law of um, just like as an example, I have like 22. There's one called the universal law of free will. People talk about this. Do we have free will or is it destiny? It's both, right? You mm. know that when you align with your destiny, then you know, obviously it means that you're on the right path for your soul, but at the same time, you can make a lot of bad decisions up until then that take you off your path. That's the free will. Yeah. That's the point that you need to like really look at and say, okay, I know it's free will and I'm going to choose to align with my highest self at, a, at every moment. And so it goes through all the universal laws. I have the universal law of grace. This is a beautiful one. You know, it's like when you align with grace, um, and, and, you know, the, they, there's even songs about this amazing grace, you know, this energy of grace, which is indescribable, but it, it's something that it just fills you with this divine energy. And, you know, especially anybody that's been an, an addictive, uh, alcoholic or drug addict or anything. Um, usually they say I was saved by grace. Right. So the energy of grace it's one of those, it's a universal law. It's undescribable in the sense that it's not something you can hold in your hand, but it's an energy. And when you align to it, it's a divine energy that can save you, that can bring you to where you need to be. It can, it can bring the people that you need into your life in every moment. It puts you where you need to be in that moment to save you from 
catastrophe or whatever. <laughs> so grace is powerful. That's another one. So we have all these universal, universal law of unconditional love. I love that one. The universal law of detachment, conscious detachment. That's one really interesting one because, you know, like you probably have noticed and a lot of people um, who have been through many things in life will have noticed this is that you know, when you're so attached to something is when you're having more challenges in life. Yeah. When you can let go is when things flow, right? So it's this energy and all of these are kind of like an energy, but basically it's an energy of surrender, right? It's an energy of allowing. And so the law of conscious detachment is this energy that if we align with it and we can practice that in our daily life, then we can live in flow. And we can allow what's for us to come, what's not for us to go and not feel like we're a ship in the middle of a big storm right. as things are coming and going. Instead, we just say, okay, that's going. And so then now there's doors are opening here. Let me just follow the river, right? And go towards where things are flowing. And so these are like, I think it's fundamental. There's 22 universal laws in the book that I'm writing, The Flow State. They're all really, really powerful. Some of them, if I went through the whole list, some of them you would have, you know, definitely known about and, and feel like, yeah, I'm living that. And some of them you're like, yeah, I could work on that a little. And so it's nice. It's almost like a roadmap or a blueprint that I feel sure. that if we can, you know, check in with that, like, you know, are, am I aligned with grace right now? Like, it's a good one. For example, if you're in the middle of an argument with someone, am I aligning with grace or am I in resistance? Am I fighting over something that's not necessary? Where am I fighting life? you know, yeah. and, um, and continually go back to that. And I feel like this is something that can really help shape humanity right now, because humanity is really like we talked about in the beginning, suffering on the mental health and all of this stuff that's arising and addictions that are arising from this lockdown and all the things that have been going on on the planet. And, and it's like, where do we turn, you know, mm -hmm. to, to get into alignment or to get into that better state. And yeah, we need to turn inward through our meditation, but also part of the turning inward journey is aligning with your higher self, which is, you could call it God, the universe. There's many words, but it's basically aligning with that beautiful energy that created us, that we're the creator and we're an extension of a even bigger energy that created everything. And that to align with that and to choose that every time. And if we get out of alignment with it to recognize when we are, because usually that's when we're suffering and then to come back into alignment with it. And that's when things start flowing again. Yeah. Well, Dashima, uh, why don't you give us a, we're going to do some rapid fire questions here, but why don't you fill people in um, on how they can find you, be your website, social media and all that stuff and, and your, your programs and everything else. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. People can find me everywhere. I've been on social media forever, like on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, my name is Dashama, D-A-S-H-A-M-A. -A. It's always the same everywhere. And then um, I, on my website, it's dashama.org or dashama.com. They both go to the same site. If people want to learn more, I have a free program that I offer. It's called, I have a couple of different ones. One of them is a free um, flow program, help you to get into flow. And that's at dashama.org forward slash flow and then i have another one that's called um self-love and yoga and this has a lot of different practices mm. to help you um to align more with self-love and connect with yourself and heal a clear uh clear your energy meditations mantras um different breath and also eft emotional freedom technique so those are two free things that i offer I also encourage people to follow me on instagram facebook and youtube and um 
Yeah, I also have a school. I certified teachers. So I've been for 10 years, I've been training um, healers and yoga teachers, meditation teachers. I have a whole school. It's called Pranashama Yoga Institute. So for people who want to become a teacher and deepen their practice and also learn how to share this as as a dharma, as a career, you can get certified with the Yoga Alliance through my school. I have both the 200 and 500 hour programs. And we also have, we have an online training. You can do the whole thing online. And then we also have a live program when we can travel again. And we have that scheduled for Bali. And I was supposed to be there in January. I'm really, really hoping <laughs> that we can. Um, but basically, it's such a wonderful journey to just immerse yourself in this amazing, amazing, beautiful blessing of, of like all these practices. And then it changes you on such a fundamental level. It heals, releases trauma, it re- releases addictions, it releases all the problems that you have. And then literally at the end of it, it's such a blessing because everybody graduates and then they can go on and share this. Yeah. And it's like a, the gift that keeps on giving. And I always think of like that, that imagery where the drop of water goes into the pond and then the ripple, the ripples that go out. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have the opportunity to be is like, once you really learn something that heals and helps your own life is share it. Cause in the energy of sharing it is when you, you actually get blessed double from on a karmic mm-hmm. level, it's blessing you. And also just the energy of it is so beautiful to share and, and also, if you make a career out of it, you can also make a living with that. So there's so many blessings that come with it. All right, Mikey, rapid fire questions. You're up first, good sir. All right. If there were to be a movie made about you, who would play you and why? <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Let's think. Okay. You know, I'm going to go with Shakira only because oh, yeah, I, I actually, see that. when my hair is more curly, I usually have curlier hair. Um, I, I've always been told I kind of looked like her and I have a similar like vibe dancing. So you're saying fun. the hips don't lie is what you're telling the us. The hips don't lie. And, and it's like, I would love to have her playing me and, and she's just so fun and such a joyous, beautiful energy. Awesome. Uh, if you could have dinner with just one person living or not, who would it be and why? Let's see. I think on this planet i guess i've thought about this a lot honestly i think oprah only because when i was a little girl i i actually read a book um it was called how to be like women of influence and Mm. it was 20 of the greatest women of the 20th century this book really changed my life and she was one of the people featured in the book and it had like mother Teresa, amelia Earhart, it had eleanor roosevelt all of these women and she was one of them and in there she shared her story about the childhood and all the stuff that she went through and i remember when I read that and I was around 13 or something, 12 maybe, but it changed my life because I was like, wow, if she went through it similar to what I went through and she got to be a great woman, I can do that too. And it really shaped me who I became in my mind. I said, I can do that because of her story. And that changed my life. And you know, like most people, whatever they feel about Oprah, I think she's a wonderful person and I think that she has definitely helped so many people to get into a spiritual path and to really find soul in life and I just love her and I think that because she had impacted me at such a young age it gave me that that guiding ray of hope in the early part I would love to sit down with her and have dinner with her for sure that's awesome Oprah's a good one I like that one that's you seem like such a peaceful person but do you have any pet peeves 
um yeah actually i i think i'm working on this one because i a couple of things i i really don't like cigarettes like for me like anything that because to breathe is so important right right so to be around the smell of cigarettes it makes me nauseous Mm. so if i'm like at a restaurant or anything and someone's smoking nearby i actually will ask them to move or i'll ask the waiter to ask them you know and i try not to be rude but i'd be nice about it but they usually don't want to move but the point is that yeah to breathe in the cigarette smoke is is one of those and um i can't eat even if i have that smell around me a lot who has been your biggest inspiration or mentor in life that's a good question um i think it's not one person you sure. know no, i had sure. I had a blessing of a lot of mentors. Like I, I mentioned, when I was a young person, I got to be, you know, I had my coaches and he helped me. He taught me about the power of visualization. Later, I had a really amazing mentor in college that helped me with my business and, and my confidence. And um, and then I had another mentor that helped me with my marketing and he helped me launch my YouTube channel. And that really helped me, Harlan. And then um, just different people. I've always been so blessed. I'm so grateful because I just always attracted the perfect mentor at the perfect moment that was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is the one that's giving me that next piece. Right. And it's been almost like this journey of like a uh, breadcrumbs or something like this piece <laughs> and not this piece. And it's like every step of the way. And now when I look to, when I look to see, like if I'm looking for guidance, I like to turn to who I would say people that are like enlightened masters. So I'll look to like, what does Sadhguru have to say about this? What does the Dalai Lama have to say about this? What does Eckhart Tolle? I look to the enlightened masters now and, and also the ones that are alive and not alive because I'm like, okay, there's a lot of opinions in the world, but like who's who has something that I could perceive to be the closest to the truth? And I always just want to go to that. So I try not to take a lot of advice from people unless they're, you know. Yeah, difference between opinion and wisdom. <laughs> exactly. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? The superpower that I really would like would be to um, somehow, whether it's with my mind or just with my consciousness, be able to flip a switch and just end all of the kind of uh, suffering on the world. You know, all of this. Ah, somebody else did healing too. See, that's that's mine. You're the first ah. person to say that as well. Hers cool, was a yeah. flip of a switch. Yours is, I just want to heal people. It's like, healing oh, people. Come on. I want to teleport. And when I say that, it makes me look like a dick. So, <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, healing people would be great. But well, here's the thing. You can do, we already have these superpowers. So it's well, not you like, know oh, what? that's you, you guys will teleport. heal people and I'll teleport. <laughs> All right. Because you already have these superpowers. The only difference is the teleportation that you're capable of at this moment is just in the consciousness field and not maybe the physical field. Sure. And with us, we're capable of healing people, but maybe like just the people within our vicinity and not the whole world. Mm-hmm. So each one, of, we're doing it already. We're capable already. It's just a matter of how do we get to that next level? Yeah, how do we get to the hand swipe of it all? I'll just grab you and teleport you with me, <laughs> and then you can heal up. <laughs> yes! Uh, Good idea. I need a vacation soon. Hawaii it is. Um, okay, what do you think is your greatest achievement? You know, achievement is a funny word. I, I think that what I set out to do is to impact people in a positive way that makes the world better, mm-hmm. and I've done that, and, and I continue to do that. So it's not like a single achievement. It's like an ongoing choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm staying with it and I'm keep doing it and, and continue to expand that. So, but if there was like something that I said, this is something that I did that was like 
a defining pinnacle moment or something like I felt really amazing uh, I got inducted into the happiness hall of fame at Stanford oh, that's um, cool. that was a cool achievement in terms of like an award or something that was a really interesting one I also got to speak at the United Nations as one of the keynote speakers for international day of happiness so like these kind of moments where I was I was recognized as a happiness master of the world <laughs> I felt that was defining achievement because you know the story where I came from so when you know where you came from those are the moments where you're like it's not about the award, but it was like the universe confirming, okay, good job, you know, yeah. and like that, that I felt, even though I don't have like parents per se, like I felt like that, that kind of like pat on the back or something like you sure. did good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we wrap it up, uh, Dashma, is there anything um, else you would like to, uh, to tell the audience about maybe the power of being, uh, you know, transformative and, and anything else that you'd like to leave them with? Absolutely. I feel the most important message I could leave people with is that you have the power within you to change your entire life, no matter what's happening, no matter if you're at the bottom of the despair, you know, and the rock bottom is like they say a really great place, a foundation to, to build upon. And or if you're somewhere in between there and your dream life, you have and we all have the power to completely transform our lives and to create the life of our dreams and to live in a state of joy and happiness and, and a high vibration life of, of health and success and whatever it is that you really do desire in the deepest part of your heart and soul is available to you, to me, to every one of us. And the, the key to it is within is going in. And so the meditations and working with the mind and the beliefs and the visualizations and everything that we've been talking about this whole time is the key to it. And you just have to start. And I highly recommend finding a guide. If you want guidance, I have many different ways that I can help you, but just get started and know that you are infinitely supported in love from the source of life itself, from God, the universe, uh, whatever you want to call that, but that that is always with you always within you and that no matter what's happening in your life you can make it through because you are a divine being and you're here to live your best life so um have that courage and face your fears like we talked about in the beginning the fears you know like go right up to those fears and recognize that they are also just an illusion and anything that's an obstacle it can just be illusion and we can realize that like we create our reality we are the creators you're the creator of your reality and it's time for you and all of us to step into our highest alignment highest potential for this life and live your best life in every single way and that's possible for you it's possible for me it's possible for everyone and we can take our life back take our power back and rise to the highest heights that you could ever dream Awesome. Perfect. Well, we thank you so much for your time. This has been a pleasure. You too. So nice to connect with you guys. Thanks, Dr. Come to Hawaii if you want. Yes, please. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we will be in touch because, man, I, like I said, I need a vacation. <laughs> thank you so yeah, much, dear. Namaste. Knocking doors down. Real people, real stories, real life. Real discussions of life struggles, including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com. Dashima, what a pleasure to see 
speak with her. She was fun, man. Talk about energy. Just so positive. She is. And yeah, definitely a lot of energy. Yeah. But cockroaches in the dark, fuck that. <laughs> nope, I'm good. I'm out. I quit. It just goes to show, though, when you want to do something and you stay determined no matter what, you just got to kind of deal with whatever the circumstances are and keep pushing through because, like she said, in that discomfort, in those times of discomfort, I mean, a part of it was was cleaning the bathrooms of this yoga studio while she was learning and everything else, that all of a sudden she found herself, as she called it, in the flow or sure. whatever it is. And it always takes me back to, um, oh gosh, the Jim Carrey movie where he gets the power of God. Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty, where, uh, you know, God, Morgan Freeman, and it goes, uh, some of the happiest people come home stinking to high heaven. And it's kind of like, you know, it's it's the work that you put in and for what purpose that sometimes we find our, our like, ultimate peace. Sure, we've had some cool opportunities with this where we've been able to speak with really neat people, but then the reward in it was when we get feedback from someone or hear that they're passing this along to a family member or it's inspired them or whatever it is. It's mm -hmm. You know, it's just kind of like when you just feel you have to do something no matter what the circumstances are, and that was a pretty cool takeaway from my perspective. And it's like, you know, it just goes to show, like, if you stick to something you know, it can grow to be very beneficial for you because for her, like, you know, scrubbing the toilets, doing all what you got to do with cockroaches. I mean, personally for me, my personality would be like, I'm not scrubbing your crusty ass toilets for whatever. I would have been gone by then, but she stuck it out and loved it and now is doing better than ever. So yeah. props to her because yeah. that's incredible. You know, the stuff we heard from what she was saying, you know, that she went through this or she went through that you you couldn't tell in the tone of her voice just due to how at peace and how happy she was and it's just it really is incredible i hats off to her because she looks and sounds great yeah absolutely well uh, we thank you guys very much for listening don't forget that uh, knocking doors down the podcast is available on apple podcast app google podcast spotify the iheart radio app stitcher and we are now available on Apple Music under the podcast section and, of course, at kddmediacompany.com. Anything else, Mikey? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. We'll see you all next Thursday. <laughs> on that note, keep knocking doors down. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knockin' Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments 
suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.